0: so this morning I want to share a message that I feel feels like is something that's been brewing in my heart for quite a while. Uh, it's something that I've been, been sharing with one, of, one or two of you just over coffees or whatever and it um, feels like the Lord really wants to impart something in us that will change us. You know. And so I remember with, with you, Andrew, my wife when just before we uh, got married. We were obviously very excited There's a few of you that's engaged and I know your eyes are sparkling I can see that and there's an excitement in planning your wedding and all of those type of things and I remember one of the plans We made um, is when we get married. We actually want to get uh, like a dog, you know, and uh, so that, that's that's uh, Apparently that's the thing just before you get kids you get a dog so those um, married, um, <laughs> married couples amongst us without kids, just watch them. If they get a dog, you know it's coming, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, no pressure. But uh, I remember we were chatting about it. Listen, we need to get a dog. And um, so we were looking around and we, we, we saw this, this beautiful dog called a beagle. All right, so who have you seen a beagle? Who has a beagle? So you, uh, it's, a, it's such a beautiful dog, and especially when they're a puppy. You know, it's just it's always those puppy eyes, you know, like Enrico's eyes. It just, it's just, you just want to stare in his eyes, you eh? know, Elise, it just, you just want to look at, at Enrico's eyes. And it always had that effect on us, you know. Uh, looking at this, this beagle, we were just like, yes, we want this beagle. And so we got the beagle, and it's super cute, and it's, you know, you're excited. You, you buy all these, what, what do you call these neck... Colors and um, you know all these leashes and whatever, and um, you want to buy expensive food and you, you really want to do everything you can for this beagle. And we love the, we, we still love the beagle. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to say that. But I remember as a puppy, we enjoyed having this little puppy beagle. And um, obviously, those of you who are aware of beagles, they are quite naughty. Um, <laughs> No, not quite. They are very naughty um, and very busy. You know, so they they're always. You just need to keep your eyes on them. And they actually, child, well, she actually chowed my my iPhone earphones. Um, just one morning, came home and just my earphones are just done. You know, and my my pluckies. Uh, what else? So she she had my. Uh, I just bought a book and she chowed my cover of the book. And so we we really just had to watch her all the time, you know, and she was just so busy and so naughty, but we could handle that, we just felt, no man, we can handle that, she'll grow up and uh, we'll get to really love her properly and, and we, we really love our beagle, still, <laughs> but what I realized that I wasn't prepared for is that beagles have selective hearing, <laughs> you know, they, they, they actually, so, so let me give you an example. So uh, our our beagle, her name is Lily, and uh, we love Lily. And so to give you an example of what selective hearing is when it comes to beagles is this. Lily, you need to go to bed. And then she just ignores you. She kind of just looks the other way, didn't hear anything, and just wanna lie in front of the heater type of thing, just ignores you. But when I say, Lily, do you want a cookie? And suddenly she's obedient. (laughs) You know, and suddenly all the selective hearing is out the door, and she's obedient, you know. And I feel like for us as Christians, we can sometimes be like that with the Lord. We can be selective hearers at times, can't we? It just feels like at times we select what we want to hear from God and what we want to obey and not obey. And, and, And for us, the Lord is calling us not to be like beagles. He wants us to be obedient people. All right. He wants us to be a people that, that when he speaks, we listen and obey. And, and that's very important because I, I can guarantee you that Beagle listens, but she didn't obey all the time. You know, it's like she's just hearing one ear in, other ear out type of thing. But he, the Lord wants us to be a people that listens and obeys. And so I, I feel like for us as a people, we need to be a people of obedience. Of obedience. And and when when the word obedience comes to mind, what is is it that you think about? Do you think of this law that you need to upkeep? Do you think of this this list of rules that you need to tick off? What do you think about when you think about obedience when it comes to the Lord? And that's important because that will affect our relationship with Him. And whether we really want to listen to Him or is it something that we just have to do because that's what, you know, what we read about in, in the Bible. And I want to share some thoughts this morning on why Obedience is important, and how all that affects our lives, so that we can be a people that always hears, and not just selectively. Amen? So in John chapter 10, in the book of John, in the Bible, I want to read um, something that the Lord, uh, Jesus said, from verse 27 and 28, so my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. How reassuring is that for us as his sheep, for us as his children? Man, that nothing can snatch us out of his hand if we hear his voice and we follow him. All right. And that's important because we are his sheep, you know? And, and, and he is our great shepherd. He is our shepherd. And so when our shepherd speaks, we listen. And we do. And we whatever we were busy with, Lord, I want to follow you because I am your sheep. And my sheep know my voice, the Lord says. And so we need to know his voice because when he speaks, we want to be those that I'll just follow. You know? We don't want to be a beagle that kind of you need to kind of, you want to force him into obedience. That's not what it's about. And so it's important to realize that when you listen to, when you read the scripture of, we are his sheep and we follow him. Do you see with me that it's not a passive listening? It's not a passive listening. It's not a, I hear you type of response. You know? It is It's a, an active following. It's an active, I, I, I yield with what my will was and now your will be done through the way I live. It's, it's, it, it, there's a following. There's an obedience that the Lord is looking for. And so... To illustrate that, <coughs> sure, that was a, quite a high note. <laughs> Sorry for those listening to this preach afterwards. But, uh, so to illustrate, so let's, let's say this dad comes to his son and tells him, let's say his, his name is Jacobus, all right? There might be a Jacobus in our midst this morning. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's say the dad comes to the son. and He's like, will you go and clean your room, please? And so it's kind of like obvious. We, you, you expect that the son will go and, and, and he will clean his room. And so imagine that the father asks his son to clean his room. And, and the son is like, sure, that is, that is that's a really good perspective. That, that is so wise counsel. I mean, yeah, oh, profound. You know, I, I, I'm definitely gonna take take that to heart. You know, and he goes and he goes into his room, and he now he's studying on what it means to clean his room. He has this in-depth just discussion on the, on his papers on just the pros and cons of what it means, or how it looks like, what does it does not look like, of what it means, what it looks like to clean his room. He even he even does a Greek study <laughs> on, on what it means to <laughs> clean his room. You know, he can quote what it means in Hebrew as well. It's just incredible how it goes in so much detail of what it means to clean his room. And now it's like just to take it to the next level. He actually decided now he wants to one day do his thesis on what it means to to clean your room. And he actually can decipher all the challenges that you might face in what a, a clean room might look like. And now he goes to his father, father, this is what I've prepared for you. Just take notes of all these studies, all these notes of what it uh, looks like to clean a room. That is, all of that is useless and irrelevant if the, the room is not clean. Yeah. And oftentimes, it's quite a funny illustration, right? And we kind of know, oh, yeah, that's, that's quite a stupid thing to do. It is. And sometimes we do that with God, that he tells us, go and clean your room, not necessarily physically, but in our hearts and in our, in, our, in our mind and in the way we live. And we're like, yo, that's profound, Lord. Yo, I can actually quote scripture on what it means to do that. I can actually listen to perspective from, from our leaders. And I can actually take it to like, wow, that's profound. I can quote this and that. But if you actually do not put that into action, it's disobedience. And I mean, we've had loads of conversations with many people where we actually do give perspective. And oftentimes, you, you know, you get a response like, no, I hear you. But no, I, I know, I know, I know this, I know this. It's like, no, you actually don't hear me. You know what I mean? And often we do that with God. Oh, I hear you, Lord. But actually in our hearts, we're not willing to put that into action and obey and actually lay down our lives for Him. And so the Lord wants us not just to listen, but to listen and obey, to listen and obey. And I don't know if you have um, thought of this thing, but how many preachers does one get to listen to in one's lifetime? How many sermons do we get to listen to? Like even if you just think of in a year, I mean, you, you know, most of us do like most Sundays in a year, and we get communities on Wednesdays, and here and there we see something on the 412 app that we want to listen to in a conference and this and that. And so we actually get to listen a lot of preachers and a lot of articles that we read and a lot of things that we, um, we actually want to uh, put into our hearts and put into our minds. But it's all pointless if we do not apply it. Like even this morning, it's one of those catch-22 things because I'm preaching on obedience and we can sit here and actually not let it sink into our hearts. And my heart is that we'll actually not by me, please, by the Lord. If there's something that I that that, I sh- that I say this morning that's not in Scripture, don't obey me. By Ab- the Lord. But if, but if there's something that that gets communicated this morning that the Lord is saying, we need to obey. And this morning is an opportunity to obey or to disobey, because what we do with what comes into our ears, it really uh, uh, re, affle- affle- <laughs> I had, two, I had two words in my mind here. Um, It reflects in the way we live and what we do with it. And so Jesus listened, but he also obeyed. He listened to the Father, but he also obeyed. Did you know that? He, Jesus had to obey. He, he, he didn't, you know, he actually had to obey. And in Philippians 2, verse 8, listen to this. And being found in human form, referring to Jesus, he says he humbled, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Just keep that up there. Jesus was obedient, knowing that, man, it might cost me my life. And, and it actually did. That's how serious he was about obedience. So he listened and obeyed. And there was a time where we said to the Father, Father, may your cup pass by me. Not my will, but your will be done. And there's a sense, that I actually don't want to do this. But it's not my will, it's your will, Father. And I'm, I'm not just going to I'm going to obey. I'm going to sacrifice. It's going to cost me. And Jesus was obedient, knowing it will be hard. Let's be honest, obedience is sometimes hard, eh? It's, it's, most of the times it's hard. Otherwise, it, I don't know what you would call it, but it's hard. But Jesus decided, even if it cost me my life, I'm going to obey. And I think for us at times, we, we do have a heart for obedience, right? I mean, if I go around this room and I ask you, do you want to obey the Lord? I can, I can, I can, I can guarantee you you've got, we'll get a high percentage of people saying, I want to obey the Lord. But the reality is, when it gets hard, then our obedience will actually be tested. And sometimes we... Miss a moment of obedience because it's hard. Listen, to follow Jesus is, is going to be hard. It's not, we're not in this for comfort. We're not in this for our will. We're here for Him. And it's going to be hard. And, and I want to actually ask us, can we have the heart of Jesus saying, even if it costs me my life, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient. Because the reality is, when we start to miss moments of obedience, we start to justify our actions, right? We start to give it ex- excuses of why I don't have to, I this and that, and you know, no, the Bible actually meant that, and I'm not under the law anymore, and we have all these things that we kind of bring into us so that we can actually not be obedient, and I, and I think we miss something of Him when we are disobedient. you know, and, and some of us can actually miss out on our calling because of not being obedient. And the Lord wants us to be where he is. And so I want to say, if you are dabbling in sin, if you are disobedient in any way, we are nothing like Jesus. Nothing like him. Because he doesn't do that. He doesn't dabble with sin. He's obedient. And man, this this is what the Lord is calling us to live. And so, just to hammer this thing a bit more, in Hebrews 12, listen to this. This should actually be encouraging. Hebrews 12, verse 4, <laughs> in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I mean, so sometimes we, we sin like, no, it was just too hard. I, I just gave in. Man, you can keep going. And I don't want to not be gracious. I also have weaknesses, and we also have to repent, and it's like, Lord, I'm sorry, and we adjust our lives and get things in place. But we don't have an excuse for sin. We don't have an excuse for being disobedient. Okay, we really need to rely on the Lord's grace. There's another scripture that says that, I'm paraphrasing, that there will always be a door out for you in moments where you get tempted. Paraphrasing. So just find where is the Lord in this and follow Him. Find the flow of the Spirit and just follow Him. Okay, in Romans 2, verse 13, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but in the... It is those who obey the Lord who will be declared righteous. So not just those who hear it, but those who obey it. It, Those people are, are really pleasing to the Lord. And we all get to hear something this morning. We all get to hear, but will we obey is the question. So I want, yeah, merely listening is just not enough. We need to put that into to action. And, and I want to say, we, it does feel like we are growing as a church. Um, it does seem like there is, is life amongst us. The Lord is adding people. And, I'll, and, and the goal isn't just for a select group of people to be obedient. The goal isn't just for you know, those who, who have been in church for longer than a year, those, are those who are radical, and it's, it's them that's obedient. The goal is for each one of us. To be a people that's obedient, that listens to His voice, and we obey what He calls us to do. Every one of us, okay. Otherwise, we're actually being a spectator church. We let's just listen. We go to a show and we listen, and please help me to have a nice experience, and you know it's going to be entertaining. But then there's no application when we go out the door, and that's what actually what the Lord is looking for, okay. So, which means if you are part of this church, at some stage you will be challenged. At some stage you will be challenged. You know? If you haven't experienced that, I think it's, it's coming. <laughs> because I, I, do, I do feel like, man, if we are not challenged by God's word and standards, we're not taking Him seriously. It should be challenging. Unless you are like perfect, then you we live like Jesus wants us to live. But I know we are humans. We are people and brokenness and we've got things that we're not yet like him. And so his truth, his word should challenge us. It should, we should be confronted with what's him and what's not him. And so sometimes we look for a church that's not challenging. <laughs> I think you'll grow more when you get challenged. You'll grow where you get challenged. And it's easy to become selective. It's easy to become selective on, okay, Lord, I'll obey you on this. Don't we read the Bible? I, sometimes, to be honest, I, I sometimes read the Bible this way. I just like this part, so I love that. I put it on my status. I like to quote that. Oh, but this part, yeah, that's hard. I'm not going to put that on my status, you know. Like, yes, I believe in it, but obeying everything that the, w- the Word says is important obviously in context and um, all of that. But it's important that we we listen to his voice as a whole, not selectively like a beagle. Okay. So don't overlook what the Lord says. If he says it, we do it. We don't have to overcomplicate it. And so Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. Do you believe that? That he, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save us? Yes. Yes, He is our Savior. Yes, He did pay this price for us to be saved. But I want to say, He's not just our Savior. He's our Lord as well. He's our Lord as well. And so what does it mean? It means He is our Lord and I healed. I am the sheep in this picture. He is the shepherd. And so there's a, there's, there's a lordship that we need to really apply in our lives. where we follow Him. We follow the shepherds. He is also our Lord, not just our Savior, a ticket to heaven. No, no, no. It's actually your life should follow Him. When you when you when you read in the New Testament where the Lord Jesus went to the disciples. Before they were disciples, they were busy working and doing you know, whatever, fishing and just doing their day-to-day work, and the Lord came to them. It's like, Peter, come and follow me. John, come and follow me. And all their responses were immediately, they left what they were doing, and they followed him. They weren't like this boy in this, in this illustration. Oh, let's uh, really just l- see what the Lord meant when he said, come and follow me. Let's look at the Greek. Let's look at... What, it, what it's not. And, 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 and I'll get back to you, Jesus. Let me just do my own study of what it will cost me, of what I'll need to give up. They, were just, at a, they just had a heart of obedience. Just whatever it, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, it doesn't matter. In light of you, Jesus, immediately I'll follow you. Immediately I'll obey you. And so lordship is important. Lordship is the thing that may, will make you finish the race of faith. It's great to have a starting point of saying yes to the Lord, accepting Him in our lives. But we don't want to just start and not finish well. We want to start and finish well. And the only way we do that is through Lordship or following Him until the day we die or until He comes back for us. And so, listen to this, Lordship, what does it mean? When a person yields to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he or she acknowledges his ownership, and gives up his or her personal rights. So there's an acknowledgement of his ownership over our lives. My life is not my own anymore. My life is now his. So we recognize that he owns me now, actually. We recognize that, and we yield to that. Yielding to the lordship of Jesus Christ also involves total and unreserved obedience. Did you hear that? If he is the lord of your life, you're going to do what he tells you to do. Because he, he owns you now. We are kind of now, we are his slave now. He, and, and he's our master. And he tells us, listen, I want you to live here. Then we live there. I want you to do this. Then we do that. I want you to give you this. Then we give that. And we're obedient people. And here's the challenge. We don't like change. Right? I know some of. I I generally actually like change. I love it when there's new things. We we generally some like it more than others, but at the heart we don't like change. We don't like it because it's costing us. It's it's costing us comfort, and we want to be in control of our lives. Right? I mean, who doesn't want to be in control of 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 your life? We want to be in control of what what happens next, and and that can sometimes be a challenge when the Lord calls us to do something. That can sometimes be a real challenge. And the, and the reality is that you'll get confronted with that. Where you want to go this way, and the Lord says, No, I want you to go this way. And then, you know, what do we do? And we, we, we want to be a people that hears His voice and not just be overwhelmed by our own hearts' desires. And so we forget at times that the Lord actually bought us with a price, we are His. He bought you with a price. If you were a born-again Christian, he bought you. He, he bought you. It's like when you go to, to checkers. I won't use you willies as the example. It's just too soon. <laughs> That's just a joke. You can shop at willies. I shop at willies. Anyway, let's move on. I dug my own hole there. But if you go to checkers and you buy a bread, that bread is now yours. Right? I mean, it's obvious. Paul is not going to c- come to my house. No, I'll, that's my bread. No, 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 it's, it's my bread. But I've got the heart of Jesus. I'll share, <laughs> like the end part, the korsi. You know, <laughs> I don't know what to call that in English, but you know that part that you usually don't eat. That part. Anyway, so when you, when I buy bread, that bread is mine, and that's what the Lord did with us. He bought us. Yeah. We are now His. So the devil can't come to him. He's like, no, 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 that's actually mine. We are his. And so you should have a confidence that we are his. He bought us. We are, he owns us now. So if the devil comes to tempt you, if the devil wants to come and try and steal, your, steal you away from him, like, no, 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 I'm his. I'm his. And we should live that way. I don't own me. I don't own my wife. Jesus does. Jesus owns me. Jesus owns my wife, my my boy. And we should really realize that. Hudson Taylor, he he had this quote I want to read. He said this. Listen to this. Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all in our lives. And so can you be like, he's is like 60% Lord of my life. No, no, no. That's not lordship. Lordship is complete surrender of His ownership over your life. 100%. Like, He owns me. My life is His. So, so Christ is either Lord of all in your life, like every part of you, or, or you're actually not submitting to His Lordship, you're not yielding to His Lordship. And then we want to pick up our lives and we want to make things happen in our own, own um, sights. And you can clearly see that in, in the Bible, where great crowds followed Him. Great crowds, many, thousands of people follow Jesus. But how many actually at the end of the day obeyed him? Like giving their lives. Not in not in it for themselves, not in it for a food, but for just obeying Jesus. You can clearly see people moving away from Jesus because it got hard when they had to obey. What is what is the Great Commission? Just quickly. Just give me, give me an answer. What is the great commission? Make disciples? That is, that's what comes to mind when we, when we, th- when we read a great commission, when we ask, what is the great commission? That is what the Lord said to the disciples, this is what I call you to do. I'm going to go now. This is what I want you to do, is the great commission. So if you want to know what you're called to do in your life, it's the great commission. And what comes to mind is we need to make disciples, right? We need to make disciples. But we forget, like the second part of the Great Commission. Often, we kind of, again, selective hearing. Don't you know, selective hearing. Make disciples. And then he goes on baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, if you if you baptize someone recently, you are busy living out the Great Commission. Well done. And then he goes actually he goes on. We like that part, you know. But then he goes on teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Do you realize that's part of the Great Commission, is to teach those alongside you and with you to obey everything the Lord has commanded us. And so we actually can't be making disciples without teaching people to obey Him. We need to obey ourselves first, because we need to live an ex- a life of an example of Jesus, but then we also need to bring people in in obeying him. And then the Lord says, then I'll be with you. Man, so if you are taking people along with you in the journey to obey Jesus, Jesus will be with you. Jesus will be with you. You know, and it's it's quite a weighty message this morning, but it feels like this will determine the trajectory of our lives is the way we obey. It's one thing to say, I agree. But it's another thing to say, I agree and I'll obey. And in James chapter 2, verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Many will say yes to the Lord. But if it's not backed up by actions, our faith will actually just... uh, And we are not saved by our works. We don't get get to heaven by how hard I worked for you, how many rules I obeyed, how many laws I obeyed. We don't get to heaven by that way. We all fall short of his glory. We all fall short of his standard in the way we should live. And that's why Jesus came, gave his life, and he lived the life that actually we can look at. It's like, that is obedience. But, and we put our faith in in him, but but then our lives should be backed up by actions. People should actually look at the way we live and say, that's a Christian. That's someone that follows Jesus. And isn't that what we read about in the Bible where we, we see by the love that we have for one another, people should look at us and say, you guys are Christians. You guys follow Jesus by the way we actually love one another. And so our faith should always have actions and obedience. It's not the one or the other. All right. And to give you an example, something that I kind of just want to spin the plate in this church, and something that Andrew picked up as well, in, uh, well, it's probably I that picked it up from him, but (laughs) uh, he's he's leading us into this. So it's the values that we hold to as a church should never be diluted. And it's not a a Josh Jen thing. It's a Bible thing. We want to have Bible values, New Testament, healthy church values. And, And the reality is, as we grow as a church, everyone comes from different backgrounds. I come from a different background than you and you from the person next to you. And we all come with different ideas of what church is and what it's not. But actually, again, we need to yield to his lordship. What does the Bible say how we should live? And that's how we do it. If anything we do is not in the Bible, or we add to it, or we subtract to it, we are actually disobedient in the way we do church. And so we need to be a a church that's that's built on Jesus, and we obey His word. We don't go outside of the boundaries of Scripture. And so what happens, as we grow as a church, you know, we mentioned the the membership course that we we did. uh, We've done it a few times, uh, called Orientation. Before that, it was starting points, and usually when we go through this course and Andrew shares some values on, on who we are as a church and what we uh, live for, it's, it's quite exciting because there's, there's so much life in church at the moment, and one of the topics is worship, and so he, he shares on what the Bible says how we should worship, not Josh Jen's manual, what does the Bible say about worship? Can someone help me out? Just any scripture that comes to mind on worship. I know all of you are thinking, be still and know that he is Lord. And that's one of them. And we should. We should do that. In the way we worship, we need to at times come and be still before him. But what else? Dance and sing. More undignified for the Lord. Just make a shout to the Lord. What else? Lifting up holy hands. We, also, we see all these examples of the way God wants us to worship. And we, we're in it, man. It, there's so much life, and we are, yes, I'm in. I agree with that. And usually at the end of the chorus, hey, that's a, how did you find it? Is there anything that you struggle with? Uh, do you agree with where we land as a church? And usually there's like, a, yes, no, that's awesome. I agree with it. I'm in. Okay? Let's worship on, on, on Sunday. That's actually where the the proof is in the pudding. Will you actually apply what the Lord says in the way we should worship? Because if you don't, we become disobedient. Not to me, to the Lord. Because this is what the Lord commands us to do. Other examples, accountability. Like opening up your life for others to speak into. One of the topics that we speak about in orientation. Do you agree? Yes, I love it. Okay, let's see. You know what I mean? A tithing. There's all these different topics that we speak about. Uh, okay, yes, I agree. But actually, do we live it? Is the question. Do we live it? Is actually the question. And that's what the Lord wants us to be. It's, it's a people that have faith in Him, but those that faith is backed up with actions and obedience in the way we live. And man, I I want I want to be someone that's obedient. I don't always get it right. There's, there's times where I don't want to worship. There's times where I don't want to open up my life to people. There's times where I don't want to give. There's many times where you get confronted with your own self and your own flesh. But I chose to yield every time. Well, not every time. Most of the time. I'll actually, that's, that's what I want to get to. My heart is to, to choose Him every time. And when I get it wrong, I repent, Lord, I'm sorry, and I, I move on. And I, and I change my way of life, and I move on. And I obey Him now. And I want to be his friend. Who wants to be God's friend? Come on, at least half of us, well done. <laughs> I want to be his friend. I wanted my heart to be on fire for him. And in John 15, listen to this. John 15 verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. It's just such a simple scripture. We just kind of skip over it, don't we? It's like you are my friends if you do what I command, Jesus says. Which means, and I'm adding this, if you do not do what I command you, are actually not my friends. And I want to be his friend. I really want to be his friend. And so if he says it, I want to do it. That's it. And I want my heart to be full of him. I want my heart to be on fire for Jesus. Is your heart still on fire for him this morning? Be honest. It's just Is your heart burning for Jesus? So much so like, like the duchies. Just I don't care what it takes. I'll jump in a bus on I don't know how many ferries. I don't care what it I'm hungry for him. The Lord is calling us there. I want to be there. I want my heart to burn for him. Like Andrew uses this illustration years ago. He mentioned, man, if you are hungry for, for Jesus, you won't really matter what the cost is. You do count it. He it doesn't, it, in light of him, in light of his presence. I mean, conference is coming up. If you don't have transport, consider hiking. If you're hungry for him, you'll consider it. Don't do it. Come speak to us and we'll kind of make a way for you to go. <laughs> but is your heart burning for him? Like, I don't care what it takes, man. I'm going to go. It's a hard thing, isn't it? It's a hard thing. And We don't want our hearts to become cold for Him. We don't want our hearts to drift from Him. And disobedience will make your heart cold. Just disobey Him once, and you'll see. You're just, you're not gonna love the church like you like that much anymore, and it becomes like an add-on to your life, and you know, it's just uh, one of those. But does your heart burn for Him? Does your heart burn for Him? And our hearts becomes hard. When we stop obeying him, and we—I don't want—I don't want that to be honest. In Romans twelve verse eleven, I'm going to land soon. Romans twelve verse eleven: Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor or passion serving the Lord. Never, never stop. Never lack passion for the Lord. Don't stop. And the thing is, when we when our hearts are cold, and we know we need to be passionate for him. It becomes a, uh, it's, am I, am I for real, yeah? This, like, where do we stop obeying Him? And we kind of know in the back of our minds, we need to, abo- we need to be passionate for Him. It becomes a, uh, and it becomes a drag. And we, we kind of just wiggle our, ourselves around excuses and all of those other things. But at the heart, we need to be full of zeal for His house, full of passion for Him, full of passion for His presence. Serving the Lord out of a heart of obedience, not of duty. And I know there are times where it, it kind of feels like duty, and that's fine. But at the heart, it's, it's passion, it's zeal. Man, I want to serve Him. And we need, we need to get back to that place. And uh, I want to end with this. It's not, a, it's not an outward expression. But it's, it's actually an inward change that needs to take place. It's not just an outward expression. And it is an outward expression. But it all flows from the heart. It all flows from the heart. We can stand here and jump up and down like I don't know how I, But you can kind of do all the right things from the outside. But the heart is cold. The heart shouldn't be. Everything flows from the heart. And sometimes we need to actually lead our body into into that place. So don't wait until you are kind of on fire for the Lord. Start somewhere and get yourself into his presence and Hebrews the the book of Hebrews speaks about um, speaks about God puts his laws in our hearts and he writes it in our minds and so it's not just an outward thing that we kind of stick on the Christian label it is actually the Lord puts his heart in our hearts he puts what He wants into our hearts. He puts what He wants into our minds. So that means that your heart is going to want to obey Him. And I know it's difficult and it's hard, and we, our heart doesn't always want to, right? And at times we, we, we have to. But it's better if our hearts want to, if that makes sense. And that flows from intimacy with the Lord. We allow Him to come and in, come into your heart. You know, and I, I honestly believe that a sign of being a Christian, a sign of being a born-again Christian, a sign of having the Holy Spirit, is that your heart starts to want to obey Him. When you look at your life and you don't want to do sin anymore. I, I used to love sin. I, I loved it. But when, when I met Jesus, I looked at my life like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore some of those things, like, I, I, was, I was kind of still dabbling on some of it for years. And I'm, I, I don't want to live that life. I don't want to be someone that's born again Christian, full, full, seemingly full of his spirit, and still dabbling with, with sinful things. I want to be someone that wants to obey him in everything, in all parts of my life. And it comes from the heart. And so if, you, if you're sitting here this morning and, and you know that, man, my heart wants to obey him. I don't want to do those sinful things anymore. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. And, and the reality is there will be times where you actually will still be rebellious. Or get confronted with rebellion. And we need to put that thing to death. The Lord is very serious about rebellion. You know, and, and, and I'm speaking about those who call themselves Christians. You know, we need to let him change our hearts. We need to open our hearts. Lord, I don't want to rebel against you. I don't want to willingly disobey you. Because that's what rebellion is. You just willingly disobey. I don't want it. Lord. I want to obey you. And, and the reality is, I'm so aware of everyone this morning that's listening to this, this message that can feel, oh yeah, it's just giving us, a, a, you know, I, I must not do this. I have to do this. I'm not allowed to do this. I need to do less of this, more of that. We are missing the point if that is what you're hearing. My heart is to lead us into a place, man, I want to obey the Lord. Because I'm not going to hold your hand like the whole year. You're going to walk out of the door and you're going to get hit by life. You're going to get tempted by the devil. Guaranteed. And what do we do with that is important. Do we have a heart to obey Jesus? Do we need to let Him come and change our hearts? It's not how I have to, it's actually, Lord, I want to. And when we are. Living a close, intimate walk with Him, out of a love for Him, out of a fear of Him, we start to move from, I I have to, to I want to. And I'm trusting that the Lord will come and do something in our hearts this morning. That we want to obey Him. And if we don't get it right, it's fine. Let's repent. Let's obey Him. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Let's obey Him moving forward. But it it starts from the heart. It starts from the heart. You know, in Romans, I'm going to end with this. In Romans 5, I want to read two scriptures. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, through Adam, who sinned against God, through him, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. So we all have sinned. And we kind of can blame Adam a bit, yeah? But actually, no, no, no. We need to blame ourselves for it. Because we gave in to it. We all have sinned. No one can sit here this morning and be like, no, I'm, I, I have never sinned in my life. The Bible actually says if you say that you're a liar and then you sin. So it's kind of one of those, you know, <laughs> let's settle that. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory and the standard of God. And we realize we need a Savior. We realize we need someone. To live the life that that actually is pleasing to God. Because God doesn't compromise on his values. He doesn't compromise on his standards. So he sends Jesus to live the life that we actually should. And the thing is, he got it right. He is holy. He never sinned. And then we read on in, I think it's uh, verse 18, um, 19. For just as through the disobedience of that one man, that I just referred to Adam, just, of, just through his disobedience, many were made sinners. That's many, that's us. If you fast forward from Adam, we are the many that's, that are sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So who is this one man referring to? Jesus. Also referred as the second Adam that will come. And actually give his life, not sinning, for me and you to walk in freedom. And through Jesus' obedience, we can live lives of obedience. By accepting him as our Lord and Savior. Putting our faith in him. Yielding to his lordship. Not saying, I'll pick up my life when I want to or when it's comfortable. Or when it's not comfortable, I'll, I'll do whatever I want to. Our lives are his. Because of his obedience. His obedience. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, man, we don't obey because the Bible says we should. No, it's like, man, because of his obedience, he loved us first. He obeyed first. But then he's also calling us to obey as Christians. He's calling us to love as Christians, love one another, even though difficult ones to love. He is calling us to love because of his obedience and I want to pray for us this morning that something will will change in our hearts